on a brighter note, though, I do want to share, like, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, and before we jump into the sermon tonight, I am so grateful for each one of you. I know you guys know that, just as friends of mine, but, like, I'm so thankful, even as we're praying for our community and all, just genuinely touched and ministered to you by each one of you in your own ways. I just want to thank you for that. Um, there's not a day that goes by where I don't feel encouraged because of what God is doing through each one of you specifically. And, of course, our friends who can be here tonight as they're traveling or back home even. Um, so I really, I said it earlier to um, Esther and Matt, but I really can't think of better company to be around for New Year's Eve mm-hmm. than you guys. So thank you. Um, thank you for being faithful to God in this work. Thank you for being faithful to me as your friend. So really appreciate it. Thank now, you. Yeah. Now, let's talk about New Year's for a moment here before we okay. jump in. Okay, New Year's. It's like everyone's, well, not really favorite time of the year. I know it's not for me, personally. It's not I always, a good time. No, well, I always get a little nostalgic, right? Mm-hmm. But, right. but the beginning of this new calendar year, it's deeply significant for so many reasons for a lot of us. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit later on about sadness, you know, the you know, Jeff Vanderstelt stuff that we have. Um, the gospel fluency material later on. We're going to talk about sadness. But a lot of us have like mixed emotions. I know I have even today. Like highs and lows, right? Like, oh, like thinking of the good times, the nostalgia, the wonderful memories, even just the, the Thanksgiving we just were sharing with each other, how we're so thankful for each other. There's also moments of hurt. I've been feeling a little bit even today. You know, moments of hurt, like, oh, wow, that happened this year. Oh, yeah, that happened this year too. Oh, that happened. You know, we start to kind of let those things pile up. And so the beginning of, the new calendar year, not just for us, but for the entire world, as we know, is deeply significant. I mean, it implies change because we see everything changing around us. The old year is basically dead and the new year is now alive. It's like a little new baby being born, so to speak. And so this day, the very last day of 2023, even the last few hours together here until midnight, gives us appropriate room to pause, I believe, and to reflect on the events of this past year. Now, again, personally, I'm really thankful to have grown closer to each one of you. Uh, obviously, a new friendship here in Esther, um, but to have grown closer to, you know, David and Matt, you are as well, over the last year especially. You know, kindred spirits alike, all, all of us here, and even, again, those of us who couldn't be here tonight, and then we feel that, and when you think about what God has done through us, I just can't help but be thankful. I mean, literally over the last two months, God has planted a church here where there seemed to be no way God provided the way. You know, where we were just praying God use us in some small way, here it is. It's happening. I mean, I know you guys know this. We were all there, but literally just a few short weeks ago, we have not just planted a church, but we've actually served our own community. I mean, we've literally, as you guys know, met Syrian refugees who just moved here four months ago. Mm. I mean, we've met, like, people who are in high (laughs) real estate, so to speak, and high business ventures, to say the very least, just over the last few weeks alone. We've met our neighbors and everybody in between refugees and business people alike, even here, just as we've tried to seek to love on our neighbors and share the gospel with them. We have been a people who have known the undying and loyal love of the Father, and who've actually been, by His grace, able to then demonstrate that love of the Father toward our neighbors. There have been so many wonderful highlights, obviously, and we've seen His blessing even as, even tonight, we've been worshiping God. 
I mean, beautiful things all around us when you think about it. Amazing times. And so 2023 has in many, has in many ways been a truly amazing start to this new kingdom work here at Downtown Presbyterian. And God is using each one of you to accomplish this vision. It's not to give you guys glory or me glory in any way. It's just rather to say, look at what God is doing. We have so much reason to celebrate. But who among us does not also feel that twinge of sadness, like I mentioned earlier? The little twinge of sadness in our own souls as this time of the year comes, as it does every January and December 31st. See, for all the gains and all of the reasons to give God praise, all the wins that we've experienced in this last year, we yet live in a world of sin. And so we've experienced so many kinds of losses. Think of relationships, or maybe job loss, or opportunities that we had that were taken away, whatever it might be. Those things have come and gone, but we've experienced wins and losses alike. And for all the triumphs of God's grace, for all of our holy longings to see his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as we were just praying, I'm sure that each one of us desires to put certain things that we have experienced over this last year just in the past behind us and move forward and even maybe forget about those bad things. Oh, to see the end of our pain, our, our miseries from 2023, our, our long-suffering, our brokenness, our failings from this past year, our ongoing struggles with sin here in this life, can't it all just go away? I mean, who doesn't want this? Who doesn't want the end of sin and its effects? We all want it, especially as believers. Well, tonight we know that the world is being told this lie in many ways, that the changing of the new calendar year will deliver this kind of new start. A fresh start, free of sin, free of failings and past misfortunes. That's what so many people who are lost are celebrating right now. Oh, I can get it right on January 1st. I can be a better version of myself. I can do the right thing. I can accomplish the things that I wanted to do that I didn't get to, run, to do in 2023. But in this very moment, even tonight, literally right now, People all around the world are longing for a kind of redemption, salvation, and cleansing, our key word for tonight, cleansing from their past. Friends, these divine longings for redemption, for salvation, for cleansing, a cleanness, as it were, really are only meant in Jesus. And we know that, right? But the question is, do we believe that? Do we actually walk in that truth every single day? Well, our main theme for tonight is that we need truly a perfect priest, meaning Jesus, a perfect priest to cleanse us from within, a perfect priest as well to remove our sin from us, not just from the last year, but for good. And that perfect priest has a name, Jesus Christ the Righteous. And so our passage makes this very clear for us that we must then behold Jesus as both our priest, but also our lamb. And so that really, I believe, leads us right into our passage for tonight. Of John chapter 1, uh, verse 19 and following. So the Gospel of John reads this over us, and speaks this truth over us. This is the testimony of John 
When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. <laughs> they asked him, Then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to him, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Friends, this is the very holy word of God, forever faithful and true and given to each one of us in love. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we thank you that your word is forever faithful and true and that no word from you can return empty or void. And so we ask that as we now hear the word preached over us, that you by your spirit would minister to our souls in the midst of our thanksgiving, in the midst of our excitement, or maybe in the midst of our sadness or our despondency, you speak to us and cause us to see you and to delight in you, to find our hope and our rest, and especially our cleansing in you. So we ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, the last few weeks, of course, I know that we've been focusing on largely the first 18 verses. Um, you know, we spent the first like three sermons just going over John 1, 1 through 18, leading up to Christmas. And so far, the Gospel of John has given us this uh, preamble of sorts. You know, think of the Constitution that we have right there on the wall. Very much, John 1, 1 through 18 is very much like the preamble that we have in the Constitution. It's basically saying, hey, here's a synopsis of what is about to happen in the entire Gospel of John. And here's a little precursor to it. And so basically, a few weeks ago, we first read of John the baptizer in verse seven through eight. And here we now read of God's purpose for him. And his purpose was for him to not receive an ounce of glory from the people, but rather to bear witness about Christ Jesus, who was to come and be revealed by the Holy Spirit himself. 
John 1 verse 7 earlier, a few weeks ago when we looked at that, if you remember, says that John, in quote, came as a witness. John came as a witness. And a few weeks ago in that preamble, if you will, of John 1, 1 through 18, we read over that and we thought, okay, there's a lot there. What does that mean? Well, the beauty of this passage is that it actually begins to unpack it for us. Uh, think about like as you're like, scrolling on your browser and you see like, a little summary of like, a YouTube video or something and you see the little words, more info, and you click on it, right? And then boom, all this description just pops out underneath. That's basically what is happening here in this passage. We get to actually click, okay, more info, please. Click it, boom, here's our passage. This is what the passage is actually describing for us. What does it mean that John came as a witness? Well, we just read begins to unravel it and showcase what was actually going on. John 1, 19 says this, as we started, this is the testimony of John. Okay, so this is what he came to bear witness about, right? Now he's going to repeat it here. This is the testimony of John when, and catch this, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem. Why? To ask him, who are you? It's a big question. Now notice what he says. The word goes on. He says, it says that he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Now, speaking of confessions, <laughs> as John confessed something, honest confession here on my part, I had never noticed this until a few days ago, that there is something extremely important for us going on right here at the beginning of our text. And it has to do with who was sent to go talk to John and confront him. Who was sent? You know, we often think of, you know, for Jesus, who would often confront Jesus, it was the scribes and the Pharisees, right? Well, here, notice that it doesn't say the scribes and Pharisees actually came and asked him this question. It actually says that the priests and the Levites actually came to John. There's something peculiar, something different going on. Why is it the priests and the Levites who are concerned about the ministry of John the baptizer? And furthermore, who were these priests in the first place? Well, to put it very simply, they were the ones, rightfully so, who had been anointed throughout the generations, so many generations prior, going all the way back to Moses and Aaron even, that they had been anointed for the very purpose of serving God's people. See, going all the way back to the consecration of Aaron and his sons, in especially the passage that we see in the Old Testament of Leviticus 8, where we see the whole ritual where they had to be cleansed we see that the priest and the Levitical priesthood specifically there had actually been anointed with oil that was, as the word says, poured upon their heads in order to signify <laughs> their being set apart for the priesthood itself. In other words, they were anointed with oil for that very purpose of then serving as priests for God to God's people. Additionally, in that same time when they were ordained and anointed as priests, a bull was actually sacrificed. So there was blood involved, right? A bull was sacrificed, and then his blood was actually sprinkled against the altar of God. And likewise, the blood of a ram was also sacrificed and then thrown against the altar of God and sprinkled against the altar. And then Leviticus 8, which describes this whole priestly ordinance, actually goes on to then describe the whole of it in great detail. 
mean, the entire first part of that chapter, 30 verses or so, goes on to describe the whole ins and outs of all of this stuff. How they had to be clean in order, in order to even then serve as God's holy priests. And in Leviticus 8, verse 30, it says the following of this priesthood. It said, Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and on his garments and also on his sons, who were also priests, right? And his son's garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. So we see that there was a real cleansing ritual that went on involving oil and blood being poured and sprinkled over the priests themselves right there in the Old, in the old Covenant. Now surely the priests and Levites then in John chapter 1 that we just read of, the same priests and Levites who were sent out to ask John the baptizer, why are you doing this? We're then asking the same kind of question. You're not part of this, are you? Like, who gave you the right to start baptizing people? Who gave you the right to start doing this uh, rite of purification there under the Old Covenant? I mean, here they, those priests and Levites, had been consecrated by God. They actually went through the ordination process unto the priesthood through, again, the anointing of oil and through the sprinkling of blood. And they drew as priests the people's hearts toward God through pouring and sprinkling sacrificial blood on the people during the Day of Atonement and things of that nature, whenever blood sacrifices were made. So why then was John the baptizer performing these similar, though not the exact same, cleansing rituals with water for the sake of the people? Why was he calling them to repentance and applying water to them instead of blood and oil? Had God himself appointed John? Was John the prophet Elijah come in the flesh again? Was he the prophet Moses, they asked him? Greater still, was he the Christ or the Messiah himself, meaning the anointed one? Surely not. And John, of course, immediately insisted to them that he wasn't. He wasn't the prophet. He wasn't the Christ. He wasn't Elijah as well. And so confused, the priest then asked him, well, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this with the water? And so John answered them in verse 23, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. See, the Lord, through his servant John, was directly fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 40, verse 3, right there. Something that Isaiah had written hundreds of years prior to this event. That very thing that John quoted makes straight the way of the Lord. John, right there, was actually the person that Isaiah was talking about. Now, we know from the Gospel of Luke that John himself was indeed the son of a priest. Zechariah, the priest by name, that we read of in Luke chapter 1. You know, you had the baby and Elizabeth, and you hear the whole story, of course, and how he leapt in the womb at the, at the sound of Jesus, even, and the gospel being pronounced. And so John, in many ways, was part of that Levitical priesthood in his own way, but his public ministry was entirely unique in so many ways because it was purposed by God to prepare the way of the Lord to receive Christ by faith and to turn from their sins and repent and be ready to receive this risen 
and loving Savior. See, John's ministry of water baptism was for the purpose of leading the people, again, to true repentance, to true faith in this coming Christ. But little did John know that the very next day, Jesus would come to him for God's own eternal purpose of anointing him as our high priest. But not with oil and sacrificial blood, but rather with water and with the very presence and power of the Holy Spirit over him. This event is described in many ways, so many times throughout scripture, but Hebrews 5 describes it so well to us. It says this regarding the priesthood, that no one takes this honor, the priesthood, for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ, speaking here of Christ's baptism, did not exalt himself to be made, high, made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Now friends, this Jesus is then our Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. Christ is the one who from eternity past, and in Christ even, in eternity past, God through Christ, predestined ordinary men and women like you and like me to be called his own. In love and in Christ, God chose you. In love and in Christ, he hand-selected you. Not because of anything good or anything desirable in you or in me, but rather because his heart is just so big that he desired to make you his child. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. But see, friends, unless God had sent Jesus to be our high priest, he could not atone for our countless sins against him. Not just the sins of 2023, but the sins that we face throughout our entire lives. Unless Christ had been sent and anointed as our high priest, even in his earthly ministry, he could not justify sinners such as us. It was all part of God's divine plan. So praise the Lord for his gospel of grace. For as the Christmas song goes, O Holy Night, he, meaning Jesus, knows our need. To our weakness is no stranger. So behold your king, and before him lowly bend. And so, friends, Jesus himself is our high priest who alone can cleanse us from our sin. Every last one of them. Our best New Year's resolution, then, to be a better version of ourself, whatever the culture calls it, <laughs> is no good. <laughs> it's no good before Jesus. Only Jesus' perfect righteousness attributed to you, given to you through his priestly intercession can make you perfect and faultless before God the Father who loves you. So do you know your Savior even here on New Year's Eve in this way? The one who isn't up in heaven wagging his finger at you, but rather saying, no, come, come, I want to dine with you. I want to be with you. You're mine. 
See, the beauty of the gospel isn't just, though, that Christ was our priest, not just that he was anointed on our behalf, that he was baptized even there in that moment by John, even by the Holy Spirit. Rather, he himself, this is the glory of the gospel, is our only, our only atoning sacrifice for sin. For he is the very spotless lamb of God who was slain for his people once for all time. And so the Gospel of John, as we continue to read on in the last half of our passage, continues to illustrate this truth for us. It says this, The next day, he, meaning John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me, meaning in time. (laughs) I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And continuing on in verse 33, John continues to say this, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. See, friends, this is the essence of John's testimony, that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the eternal Son appointed by God the Father to come in the fullness of time, in the flesh, to be anointed by God the Holy Spirit who came down from heaven and hovered and then remained over him as like a dove. And by the offering later on of his own blood upon the cross, undergoing the baptism as he called it himself, the baptism of blood upon the cross, through that he would cleanse his people once for all time. In the words of 1 John 5, 6-8, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. See, Christ is revealed then to be the Lamb of God by these three primary witnesses. First, the Spirit's descending upon him there in his baptism, then the anointing of water over him, and thirdly, through his sprinkled blood upon the cross. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. They all testify of Christ, who is our high priest. In the words of the hymn writer, there is therefore none other lamb, None other name, none other hope in heaven or earth or sea, none other hiding place from guilt and shame, none beside thee. Christ is both our high priest and then our sacrificial lamb, the one who takes away, lovingly removes, and utterly expiates every last one of our sins. And he does this for every single person that calls upon his name by faith. 
and turns to him in love and repentance. So as we conclude, will each one of us here resolve to live in light of Christ as our high priest and as our holy spotless lamb in this new year of 2024? See, as billions around the world are right now, again, resolving and making resolutions to try harder, to do better, to be better people, will each one of us here choose to walk in the newness of life that Christ's life has afforded to us in the gospel by his priestly sacrifice and the power of his resurrected life attributed to you? Will you choose to behold Jesus, not just at the start of this new year, but throughout the entirety of this next year, and be so held by him? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this mystery is far too great for us to fathom of you coming in the flesh, you who were perfect and holy and spotless, being identified with our sin, and even going through the rite of of cleansing, as it were, for us to fulfill all righteousness in your active obedience, but to also prove to be our high priest, even here in this passage that we read. Thank you, Lord, that we in Christ truly have an intercessor, one who stands before us, who pleads the very blood of him who loved us and gave himself for us. And so we ask, O Lord, that we would be a people who are focused on the love of Christ and desire fellowship with him all the more as this new year is just hours away. And we ask that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit to know these things and to love you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all the more. And so we pray this in the triune, holy name of our God. Amen.